0: Ask, and it shall be given you. We have a text, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Let us pray. Loving Father, we invite the Holy Spirit to add its power and enlightenment to our study this morning, that we may be filled with thy spirit, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, Dean and I were invited to the home of some very, very dear friends to have breakfast with them. We consider these loved ones to be truly among God's very precious remnant. Before we partook of their delightful food that was filled with the bounties from God's goodness, we spent about an hour reading and discussing an article written by Ellen White in the Signs of the Times of August 7 and 14 of 1901. The article is entitled, Ask, and it shall be given you. I was so impressed with the deep spiritual truth it contained that I am going to do something I have never done before. I will read this entire article, pausing here and there, to point out some illuminating thoughts and, if possible, to add some illustrations in the hope that you too will be able to say with me, we have eaten together at the table of our Lord and satisfied and hungering for more. Now as we begin, I'm certain you will be immediately captured by the mighty conviction that we have been neglectful in audibly thanking and praising our God for His wonderful mercies. Listen as I read. It seems so sad that we praise God so little. Gratitude praise, and thanksgiving need now to be searched for and cultivated as lost arts. Now isn't that something to really think about? To cultivate this is a lost art. They are more precious to the Lord Jesus than all the treasures of gold and silver which the earth contains. Every human being should appreciate the kindness and love wherewith God hath loved us. When we were yet enemies, Christ gave his life that we might be saved. How much have we appreciated this gift? Now you will agree that these opening words that I have just read spank our conscience into some very serious thinking. For somehow, we so often forget to express audibly in praise and thanksgiving that which the Lord's servant tells us that Jesus longs for and desires to hear from our lips. Now as we continue to read, we discover the most precious gift that Jesus can give to us. I quote, In his instructions to his disciples, Christ dwelt upon the great gift of the Spirit, declaring that nothing was too great to be expected from the coming of the Divine Spirit. He longed to quicken and enlarge the conceptions of his disciples by communicating to them his own complete appreciation of God's love that they might be able to comprehend the value of the gift of all gifts given by God with the giving of his beloved Son the gift of the Holy Spirit. On all who love and serve God, this gift has been bestowed. Christ has made provision for all to receive His Spirit, for He desires to see human nature released from the bondage of sin and by the power which God gives renewed Restored, raised to a holy rivalry with angels. Now did you notice that nothing is too great for the Holy Spirit to accomplish? And that God compares the gift of the Holy Spirit to be equivalent to the gift of His Son? That may be new thoughts to some of us. What further impressed me was that it is the gift of the Spirit which can only release us from the power of sin. Having received this gift from Jesus, this power can place you and me in holy rivalry with heavenly angels. Now that's amazing. Webster's Dictionary explains this word, rivalry, to mean equal or to excel with the experience of holy angels. Unbelievable! Praise God for such a gift. Thank you, Jesus, for giving to us such a wonderful power to be had in our life. I continue. To the woman of the well, Christ said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. But note this tremendous statement that follows. Yes, in giving the Holy Spirit, it was impossible for God to give more. To this gift, nothing could be added. No wonder it tells us in the scripture that God can supply all of our needs. Grasp the significance. It's impossible for God to give us more. No wonder you read in the scripture of Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so we can see that the needs of our life can be fulfilled in the gift of the Holy Spirit. I read on. The Holy Spirit is the vital presence of God. Now you think that through it is the Spirit of God that is actually the presence of God with us and if appreciated will call forth praise and thanksgiving and will ever be springing up unto everlasting life the restoration of the Spirit is the covenant of grace yet how few appreciate this great gift, so costly, yet so free, to all who will accept it. When faith takes hold of the blessing, there comes rich spiritual good. But too often the blessing is not appreciated. We need to enlarge our conception of in order to comprehend its value. So, let's allow God to expand our minds on this subject as we continue reading. Christ declared, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be open if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father will he give him a stone or if he ask a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent or if he shall ask an egg Will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Oh, why is it that in our church services and in our worship at our homes and in our daily prayers to God we ask so little for this divine power. Reading on. Oh, what amazing love and condescension. The Lord Jesus encourages his believing ones to ask for the Holy Spirit. By presenting the parental tenderness of God he seeks to encourage faith in the reception of the gift. The heavenly parent is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him than earthly parents are to give good gifts to their children. And I know you have watched with me, many a parent, how they will sacrifice to give almost anything that their children desire. And this is what God wants to do for us. What greater thing could be promised? What more is necessary to awaken a response in every soul to inspire us with a longing for the great gift? Shall not our half-hearted supplications be turned into petitions of intense desire for this great blessing? Perhaps we should pause here to ascertain why so many within God's true church are so satisfied with their present experience without the help of the Spirit and, amazingly, unconcerned with their lack of divine power to overcome sin as Christ overcame. Listen to God as he describes what he sees among his people. I'm reading from Revelation three seventeen and 18. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, in the fire that thou mayest be rich I counsel thee to buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear I counsel thee to buy of me ointment to anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see what a pity such a condition seldom are we hearing prayers that are beseeching and pleading and longing with God for the precious gift that would change our condition what can I say as we read these inspiring words that will implant a need and a desire to want the Holy Spirit above everything else in this world Perhaps the following story I shall tell of a small boy will help. He became possessed with a desire for a trumpet. One day, this small boy was inspired to play in the band like one of the big boys he had always admired. Watch as he ran to his father and pleaded, Daddy, please give me a trumpet. So I can play in the band like Kenneth. Daddy looked at him. Why, he said, Kenneth is a big boy. He is strong and has lots of strength. And you are so small. And you don't have much strength yet. I don't believe you have enough wind to blow a trumpet. But this did not end it. It was the only beginning. The next day at breakfast, Daddy heard the words, Please, Daddy, give me a trumpet. And when lunchtime came, it was, Daddy, please, give me a trumpet. And when supper came, he heard the same thing. Daddy, please, please, I want a trumpet. As this continued day after day, finally Daddy said, Son... I don't believe yet that you have enough strength to blow a trumpet. The little fellow poked out his chest, flecked his biceps, and he said, See, I've got lots of strength. Then Daddy looked at him seriously. A boy who can't keep the wood box filled without being told to do so two or three times a day, I don't think he has enough strength to blow a trumpet. And I think a boy who can't keep the kitchen water pot filled for mother from the well hasn't enough strength to blow a trumpet. The little fellow looked up and whined. Oh, Daddy, when I carry the bucket from the well, it slops all over my pants and I get so wet. And Daddy, when I carry the wood, the splinters just poke me all over. Well, son, said Daddy, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll keep my eyes on the wood box and the water pot for the next three months. And if you are big enough to keep them full, I'll know you are big enough to blow a trumpet and to play in the band. And I'll get you a trumpet. Oh, daddy, goody, goody. And off he ran to the wood pile. Why, he heaped the pile so high that he could hardly find the door to the kitchen. He not only filled the wood box, but he piled the wood in every small nook and corner of the kitchen, until mother had to tell the boy, don't bring another piece of wood into my kitchen, until I need some more. I've hardly enough room to walk around. Why? Because this boy wanted a trumpet, and the water pot. Oh, yes, he filled the bucket from the well time after time. Sure, he got wet. So what? He not only filled the water pot to the brim till it leaked over the edge when the dipper was placed in the pot, he then proceeded to fill all of Mother's pots and pans until Mother had nothing to cook in. You see, he didn't want Mother to ever say, there's no water in the pot. Finally, Mother cried out, Stop! Don't bring another drop in until this is all gone. What made the difference? The boy wanted a trumpet. Oh, if we could only cast off the stupor that Satan is placing around us and suddenly realize that we could receive the greatest gift of all heaven if we would ask we would discover our conception enlarged. We would see the value of this gift and it would be comprehended. Surely, we would begin a supplication for this gift that would be so intense that God would listen to our wants. Did not he say, ask? And it shall be given you. And the wonder of it all is that God urges us to plead for this precious gift. No wonder Elder Ellen White continues, We do not ask for enough of the good things God has promised. Did you ever think of that? If we would reach up higher and expect more, our petitions would reveal the quickening influence that comes to every soul who asks with the full expectation of being heard and answered. The Lord is not glorified by the tame supplications which show that nothing is expected. He desires everyone who believes to approach the throne of grace with earnestness and assurance do we realize the magnitude of the work in which we are engaged our entreaties would rise before God with convincing earnestness we would plead for power as a hungry child pleads for bread if we realize the greatness of this gift if we desired the attainments of the blessings, our petitions would ascend with earnestness, importunity, and urgency. It would be as if we were at the gates of heaven soliciting an entrance. You know, I never thought of it in that way before. As I read these startling thoughts... I was reminded of the pains of hunger that I have seen as I traveled the world many years for the General Conference. I have seen people and children with real hunger. And I'm about to relate something that may cause you to get a little bit sick to your stomach. For I have seen men, women, and children so hungry that they have explored fresh cow dung with their bare hands searching for a grain or two that passed through the cow's digestion system that they might relieve their hunger and to think that the servant of the lord uses such strong language as a hungry child pleading for bread is how we should approach the savior arouse us to plead with God you know this bears reading again listen we would plead for power as a hungry child pleads for bread if we realize the greatness of the gift if we desired the attainments of the blessings our petitions would ascend with earnestness importunity an urgency. It would be as if we were at the gate of heaven soliciting an entrance. I do not understand the tameness of the requests offered to God. We are to urge our way into the very presence of God, into the holy place of the Most Holy, did you catch those words? It says we are to urge. That we've had a tameness in our request. We are to urge our way into the very presence of God, into the most holy of the most high. That means into the sanctuary. We are to plead for that which we most need, the bread of life, the leaf, From the tree of life As Jacob wrestled with the angel saying I will not let thee go Except thou bless me So we Are to ask with an urgency That will not be turned away That expects God to bestow his blessings With a liberality That is an assurance Of all fear then she quotes from Isaiah forty-five eleven. I've read it before, but somehow I never caught the exact words. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and His Maker, ask of me things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands Command ye me now you think of those words are we approaching this subject like that I have made the earth and created man upon it I even my hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded now this is the word of God which is yea and amen Then let your prayers be more fervent, more heavenly weighted with faith and hope. Let the intensity of your desire be proportionate to the value of the object you wish to obtain. The greatness of the gift and our need of it should fill us with a hungering desire for it You know, I have often been accused in evangelism of speaking too plain, of pressing a point beyond the need, some thought, for intelligence to act. But never have I read from the servant of the Lord such a startling revelation of how we are to approach God in our need for the Holy Spirit. Ellen White continues, Have we reason to believe that an earnest application to the source of all power for the deep moving of the Holy Spirit upon the heart will be crowned with success? Certainly. But before we talk to others in regard to this, let us first talk with God, plead with Him, Plead with him as if your life were dependent upon the gift you desire. Now that's quite a statement. Plead as if your life depended on it. Remember, the blessing is promised unconditionally, absolutely, certainly. If you ask in faith, Presenting the name of God's Son as your endorsement. Your prayer will be heard and answered. God's goodness makes this promise unchangeable. The infallibility of the promise is to inspire faith in the one who asks. Ask and ye shall receive we should ask with an earnestness that will not be denied the lord has an intense desire that everyone should take advanced steps in absolute certainty relying upon god he is the light and the life of all who seek him then listen to me carefully As I read, the measure which we receive of the holy influence of his spirit is in proportion to the measure of our desire to receive, of the faith to grasp, and of our capacity to enjoy the grace of the blessing and to impart to others. And now, Ellen White shifts the emphasis from the pleading, from the crying out, from the desire. She tells us from our need to sincerity and pleadingly asking for the gift to point out the condition upon which we receive the gift from heaven. For there are forgiveness. Conditions I'm reading Everyone that asketh receiveth And he that seeketh Findeth Christ is here presenting a law Of the divine government Asking for the Holy Spirit Is connected with receiving this Gift The Lord reads the heart of all men He selects from his subjects Those he Can use choosing material which can be worked he selects the most unpromising subjects and through them magnifies his own wisdom and power by causing them to sit among princes now isn't that something he can take the lowest individual the one whose mind has been so filled with evil that he is almost unable to comprehend the goodness of God. He can take the least and with the Holy Spirit he can so develop them that they can sit among princes. In all ages he has used human beings to carry out his purpose. He chooses subjects who will not be perverted, who in all righteousness and faith will honor his name he passes by the men who have perverted the capabilities he has given them and selects men of his own wisdom who make him their trust their dependence their efficiency he hews and polishes the rough stones he has quarried out of the world He works through men who realize that they must submit to the axe, the chisel, and the hammer. Lying passive under the divine hand, through those who voluntarily submit themselves to him in faith and hope, he works out his plan. Now, that is a tremendous statement to ponder he works through men who realize that they must submit to the axe the chisel the hammer lying passive under the divine hand you know the church of Rome Satan's masterpiece demands cadaver obedience from its subjects no matter what truth God may open to men the followers of Rome are not allowed to investigate it for themselves with their own God-given intelligence. They must accept only that which has been taught by the so-called fathers of pagan tradition. In fact, it's a known fact, that before a man can become a priest of Rome, he must swear by an oath never, never to question any teaching of the church, even though he discovers that such a doctrine is contrary to God's eternal word. On the other hand, God cannot and will not use any man in his church who has become so worldly wise in the education of this world that he feels safe to question God's teaching. God does invite men to study and search for truth and when such a man is spirit-filled he will come to the conscious decision never, never to question God's declared truth thinking that because of his higher learning he may be able to discover a better way. And now comes another condition for receiving the Holy Spirit. We need to impart it to others. I'm reading. Those who ask because they wish to impart to others will not be disappointed. God will reward those who come to him in earnest faith. He assures us that the thought of his majesty and sovereignty should not keep us in fear. He will do much more graciously than we suppose. If we will come to the footstool of His mercy, He urges His sovereignty as a reason for His great and merciful bountifulness in supplying the demands upon Him. He pledges Himself to hear our prayers, declaring that He will hear them. He condescends to appeal from the instincts of parental tenderness. To the infinite benevolence of Him who we are by creation and redemption. He says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? The needy and the soul hungry never pled with God in vain. Oh, praise God. What a promise. You know, I almost feel like saying hallelujah. The needy and the soul hungry never plead with God in vain. And then comes these enlightening words. Humanity, that's you and me, and divinity, that's God. Humanity and divinity must be linked together in the experience of every overcomer in our weakness we are to accept Christ's power he gives us the assurance all power is given to me in heaven and on earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Having received this precious gift, we should be the happiest, the most joyful people on this earth. Now listen with me as she describes a spirit-filled remnant person. I'm reading In view of this, tell me, who should wear countenances more bright and more cheerful, more full of sunshine than those who live by faith in the Son of God? In Him the needy and hungry find all their wants supplied. But let us not forget that those whom God hath blessed with good things of this life are to be his helping hand, to supply the necessities of his needy ones. They are to be laborers together with him. They are his stewards in trust, and are to use their goods for the advancement of his work, that his name might be glorified. The Lord desires to employ the Church as a channel through which to communicate his bounties if oh there is an if if what what would be the results if his people could keep the channel open receiving the spiritual and temporal gifts of his grace and imparting them to the needy there would be no sick ones neglected no orphans crying for food the hearts of the widow and the fatherless would sing for joy. Oh, what a different world this would be if every Seventh-day Adventist were spirit-filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the servant of the Lord speaks of the channels in which we are to work when spirit-filled. God has given men the richest of his gifts. This he has done that man may dispense of his bounties. Medical missionary work, notice, medical missionary work, and the gospel ministry are the channels through which God seeks to pour a constant supply of his goodness. They are to be as rivers of life for the irrigation of his church. You know, in my travels many times I have gone through the great places of California where the vegetables are growing and you see those tremendous ditches of water and finally down the row goes the water to every plant. Isn't it interesting that God wants us to thus irrigate the church From the supply of the Holy Spirit That is within us She says rivers of life For the irrigation of his church You know the dry desert spot Becomes an an oasis When uh, you see what water can do Multitudes flock to the spot There is no question about it If our members would become Filled with the Holy Spirit our churches would be filled with overflowing. There is not the semblance of excuse for the lifeless condition of the people who know the plain. Thus saith the Lord. God calls their attention to the words, Ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He reminds us that we have only to ask and we shall receive, to seek, and ye shall find, to knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And what are we to do besides ask? Well, God makes it very plain through the voice of his prophets, for we are told, throw open the windows of the soul heavenward, And close them earthward. Now, some of you may not like what I'm about to say, but if we're going to follow this instruction, we must shut off the airwaves of this so called abominable music permeating the earth today through the radio and television. We must turn away from the earthly environments of this entertainment and the videos that are devil-made, instigated by Satan to take our thoughts earthward. In response, we should open up and lift our voice in praise and thanksgiving to God's greatest gift. We should be often in prayer, in the study of the godly counsels written to us. It is thus that we shall become mighty in power for God, The windows of our soul will be turned heavenward. The Lord hath made his church the repository of divine influence. The heavenly universe is waiting for the members to become channels through which the current of life shall flow to the world, that many may be converted, and in their turn become channels through which the grace of Christ shall flow to the desert portions of the Lord's vineyard. The heavenly universe is burdened with the magnitude of the divine gifts which it has to impart. Think this now. Think it through. Angels are longing for the great joy of imparting the grace of God to men who will impart it to their fellow men. The commission is, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations all who belong to the church are commanded to shine (laughs) yes there is a responsibility in receiving this wonderful gift I read every receiver of divine grace is held accountable for the souls of those within his reach who are in the darkness of unbelief ignorant Of the rich blessings God is waiting to bestow upon them. As many as receive him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Those who take part in the solemn rite of baptism. In the name of the highest authorities of heaven. Pledge themselves to come out from the world. To separate themselves from its idolatrous practices. God places his sign upon them, making them members of the royal family. And they on their part pledge themselves before angels and before men to live for Christ. They are buried with him in baptism in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. If ye then be risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God Set your affections on things above Not on things of this earth For ye are dead And your life is hid with Christ in God When Christ, who is our life, shall appear Then shall ye also appear with him in glory and now comes the final punchline. Are you ready to be truly filled with the Spirit of God? I ask this in all sincerity. I read In the day of final accounts, what will the Church give as a reason for her strange indifference to bring souls to a knowledge of the truth? My brethren and sisters, keep the temple of God pure. And holy, that ye may seek it to the glory of his name. God will enlarge his faculties and multiply his gifts to you as you make use of them to gather souls under the blood-stained batter of the Redeemer. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Then we are told the startling truth of why so many within the church today are failing to overcome. I read, By yielding to the temptations of the enemy, by losing sight of God, you have lost the sense of what a child of God ought to be. Your powers of perception are clouded, but the way is open for your spiritual life to be reinforced with new power. And she ends with these words, Ask, and ye shall receive. Heavenly Father, we have been stirred by the Holy Spirit as we have read these words from thy servant. O God, help us to be more earnest more decisive in our request, more determined, more positive, let there be thanks and praise ascending from our lips and at the same time praying with the earnestness as if we were at the gate of heaven, wanting to get in, that we may have the power of God in our lives to prepare us for Jesus' coming. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.